0: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today on Ask the Blood Detective. My name is Dr. Michael Wald, and for those who are new to the show, this is a show about you, obviously, but it's got a different spin. What I mean is that, as those of you who are regular listeners know, when I speak about health concepts and how they are applied to your life and your health, I attempt to teach the material and reinforce health concepts that you probably already know in such a way that they become part of your natural thinking process, as opposed to something that's an afterthought. So that, as you might imagine, let's say an individual who has great knowledge in the art world, when he or she looks at a piece of art, they gain a much greater experience of that, one might say, than someone who has no knowledge in art. Of course, that is a bit of a generalization, but the point I'm trying to get across is that today's show, which by the way, I am preliminarily uh, titling How to Change Your Thinking and Change Your Life and Health Fast, is because if you change your thinking by improving your knowledge, and even more importantly than accumulating knowledge, is the attainment of information that is integrated in your thinking on such a deep level that what you know is basically who you are. So that as you experience the world, which we all know exists only in our heads, in other words, without you, without your brain and nervous system, without you physically being alive or energetically being alive, you you could say, There is no world. So everything wonderful about the world, which includes knowledge and information, is meaningless and has no meaningless unless, or meaning unless you are here to experience it. My point in this conversation right now is to emphasize that as your own blood detective, that's what I like to teach. I wanna teach you to be your own blood detective which requires you think in such a way that opens possibilities up that are before you that not all people see. But you not only see them, but you know when they're right for you. You just do because you've gotten in touch with your needs on not just a physical level, but one might say on an emotional level. Now, on the emotional level, One could say that we have certain feelings about the world and about life, and specifically about health, because this is a show about health. And our concepts of health and wellness are determined by your thinking process. Many individuals that I see fail in their health efforts, even though they're very intelligent individuals, they've worked diligently, they've been committed to natural health but they have errors in thinking that stop them during the show i'm going to speak about many of those limitations which i call misevaluations misevaluations of what is before us which are then taken into our heads and into our brains and then they may have an effect upon our choices and obviously our belief systems another way that i might put the, the word misevaluations or getting things wrong is semantic blunders. I'm a big fan of general semantics, which some of you might know involves the use of words correctly. A brief history here of the uh, of the human language, if I may, in less than uh, a minute, <laughs> is that we have learned through our educational system to use language in a way that does not allow us to fully express our existence. We confuse things in the world or facts in the world with our interpretation of them using language, using words. We confuse the what's happening with the words. Now, if that's confusing, it should be, but just bear with me. Here's a practical idea, an example. I am constantly meeting with individuals who speak with me about their health efforts and say, Dr. Wald, I have done every test under the sun and I've found no solutions to my health problems. I don't know what to do. And I first say to them, how do you know you've done every test under the sun? And they are a little confused because they said, Well, I have 10 pages of lab tests. Well, I said, Maybe on the 11th page, your answers might be there. My point here is it would be an error in thinking, a misinterpretation, a misevaluation, a semantic blunder of general semantics to even think that there's a limit to the extent to which we can explore health options. Now, I'm not saying waste your entire life looking for answers that may or may not exist necessarily, but I am saying on a practical level that if you want to get helped and you think you have uh, exhausted your efforts because you've had every test under the sun or you've seen several doctors who are the best in their field, well, think again and think differently and think in a more sane way because if you're misevaluating, your health efforts by saying, I've done every test under the sun, I've seen every smart physician on the planet, then you have limited yourself and basically you're stopped dead in your tracks. You're only left with frustration and despair. But if you wake up to the possibility that there are answers out there for you, you just may not have reached them yet. Or as I find all too commonly, the answers are actually in the tests that these people have had, but it hasn't been explained to them in such a way that they understand it. Or, and their practitioners have failed to see the answers right before them because of their mental limitations and misevaluations. And thankfully, oftentimes after just a brief conversation with my patient, looking at their lab t- tests and discussing their health journey through a different mindset, a different filter, we find answers. Let me just give you a couple more simple examples of how misevaluations can ruin your entire health endeavors and have you completely overlook answers that are right in front of your face. So I've had patients come to me and say, well, I heard that, uh, um, let's say Dr. McCullough uh, or someone else uh, said that Um, high ferritin levels are from uh, too much uh, iron accumulation and the ideal ferritin level should be about 100, let's say. So this generalization is absolutely wrong. For one thing, ferritin, which is a protein that's bound to iron, which is a storage compound of iron in the body, long-term storage compound test, can be elevated from too much iron. That is true. That is rarely true. There are conditions called hemosiderosis, hemochromatosis, which are iron storage diseases that can raise ferritin. But ferritin is also increased by infections and also by inflammation. And that's just a couple of examples. But if one were told what I just said, that ferritin should be at a level of around 100 and that it has to do with iron storage, they would have missed the other possibilities that I just explained. So as a blood detective, and as someone who has uh, invented a software that allows me to interpret large amounts of data at one time, because the human brain has limitations and we wanna take advantage of these scientific advancements like the nutritional interpretation of blood. And how about this? I'll have people come in and say, Dr. Wall, here's my lab test. I have constipation, or I have fatigue, I have, uh, I think, chemical sensitivities, etc., etc. My lab tests show that there's nothing wrong, so no one can help me. And I look at their tests and I say, well, it is true that your lab tests are normal. So you clearly need a new normal, assuming you're not imagining all your symptoms. So let's look at your tests, but let's compare your results to healthy individuals and not merely average individuals your age. Because as I've said on other blood detective shows, that is precisely how laboratory test ranges today are designed. So whether it's Quest labs or Acureference Labs or Enzo Labs or any other national lab or labs that are part of hospitals and medical centers, the ranges of cholesterol, the high and low you know, ranges, or glucose, or chloride, or calcium, or liver enzymes, you name the test, it doesn't matter which. They are based on Information collected from average individuals that are seemingly well, they take their blood, they put them in a national data bank, they figure out the averages to which you are then compared. Well, what about comparing you to healthy people? Would you imagine that that interpretation, that perspective, that right thinking that is not loaded with misevaluations might actually yield information? Guess what, it almost always does. I'm hoping at this point, you're starting to recognize that misevaluations can be tiny and they can be big. And when it comes to your health, they can make all the difference in the world. So, how about this? This one really gets me. (laughs) It's simple, but I'll see or speak with a a prospective patient or patient, and they'll say, you know, I stuck with this doctor because of this, that, and the other, Uh, reason. Uh, he, He or she is such a nice person. They're very nice. And then I'll look at the lab test they did and the overall workup and we'll realize that in spite of being a very nice person, this was a lousy doctor. They did not explain the test to the patient. They did not recognize obvious abnormalities right in front of them, right in front of them on tests. Now you should be asking, well, how does a physician who has an average of seven years, of medical education look at physical results on a on a on pieces of paper on a desk or on a computer screen and misses abnormalities well that's kind of easy you already know the answer they're misevaluating in other words they have a certain medical knowledge that has been drilled into their brains for several years it's very very tightly knit in their neurons it actually changes the physical structure of neurons Did you know that? That when you learn something, and you have memories, for example, and responses, there are physical and biochemical changes in the the structure of your universe, which is your nervous system. And it's very difficult to change those structures which determine your responses and determine how you think, but it's not impossible. So a doctor looks at these results and they don't see certain results adding up to a certain disease, so they don't see any of the abnormalities as a problem. But when you ask them and you say, well, doctor, these abnormal tests, aren't they abnormal? And I'm being compared to 90, uh, meaning that if I have an abnormality, that means that 95% of men or women don't have this abnormality. That's how these lab tests are designed. And, and somehow, the doctor doesn't, doesn't get that. They don't get it because they've been taught not to get it. They have been taught what I, what's called black and white thinking. We're going to get to that really soon. But when someone, maybe it's you, says to me, I've tried all that I could, I would say, did you? What did you try? And as I've mentioned, each of us sees the world through our unique emotional filter. The filter can only see what it's designed to see. So your level of education, your thinking, all of that goes into your brain. And therefore your choices are determined from that information. It's pretty straightforward, but with greater emotional awareness and education, that is the right type of education. The filter clearly is altered and greater and new possibilities can emerge. So, so what went wrong? How do you know? What prevented you from fully getting your health under control? Before I answer that question, I just want to take a quick moment to introduce myself. My name is Dr. Michael Wald and you are listening to Ask the Blood Detective. We're having a conversation today about how you internalize information and based upon your filter of the world, how information is translated into belief systems and therefore your choices in life and in health, and how to maximize how we think so greater possibilities become apparent. They were always there, but they just were not distinguished out. I practice in Westchester, New York, in a lovely town called Chappaqua, where the Clintons live, by the way. Uh, You can reach me by calling 914-552 one four four two. That's nine one four five five two one four four two. Please email me your questions and your show topics. Uh, in fact, this show topic was suggested by a, uh, a long-term listener, and I appreciate that, by emailing me at info at blooddetective.com, info at blooddetective.com. And if you'd like to work with me personally, you can do that. Just give me a call. I will personally give you a call back or shoot me an email. So regarding the idea of what may have gone wrong or what is going wrong with your efforts to get healthy in a reasonable period of time. I mean, who wants to spend years and years or their whole lives practically on on pursuing health? Generally speaking, when better health choices are made, that time is dramatically reduced. So again, what went wrong? Let's say regarding nutrition, how how did you determine in practice personally the, the nutrition that you did? What went into figuring that out? Oftentimes, it's not figured out with full information and full insights because of our limited perceptions and a limited interpretations of information that were given. The same thing with exercise. Uh, did you practice the right exercises for your body type, your health issues, your current level of fitness, and future health goals? So all of those aspects I just summarized for exercise are, are true for nutrition and other things. So. But, but hear what I'm saying. I'm asking, how do you know, in the realm of exercise, you've chosen the right exercises? Have you considered body type, various health issues that you have, your current level of fitness and future health goals? Just the fact that I have several different criteria that must be fulfilled to determine if you chose the right exercises or the right supplements or the right foods almost guarantees you a better result, a more accurate result for you because you've distinguished out different characteristics that can be tailored to you. I often sit across from patients and ask them about their exercise and they very quickly dismiss the exercise. Oh yes, I exercise. And I say, okay, what type of exercise are you doing? I had a gentleman uh, with multiple sclerosis uh, recently and I asked this question, and he described his exercise routine, which was some um, generalized exercise routine that, uh, in my judgment, uh, will not really uh, help this person in the long-term. It wasn't um, designed very well, and it wasn't specific for his disability. For example, this gentleman has obvious coordination issues and strength issues and muscle atrophy and muscle spasm, and, and still, none of the genius physicians that he has seen has ever had a conversation with him about the proper exercise. And because of that, I see him finally where he's got all of these years of issues. I don't understand. Well, I do have an understanding of this. Here's what I was going to say. I don't understand how a physician can look at a patient like that and just let them walk out the door and simply saying, yeah, you should exercise or do some PT. So, of course, that will get him nowhere fast, unless the exercises are specific for his disabilities, so that when he does these exercises specific for his or her, well it was a man in this case, his disabilities, that he incorporates that part of the brain to get better as well. So for example, this gentleman has atrophy or shrinking of muscles and strength on his uh, left upper arm. And you can see it, that's that bad. And he wasn't even doing uh, hand exercises and form exercises on a regular basis specific for the muscles that were shrinking. So as you can see, distinguishing things out for the individual makes all the difference in the world. And all of the intelligence of his other physicians mattered not at all. Um, Because if it did, um, or they had any awareness of what this individual before them actually needed, could never ignore it. So that means that they simply didn't see it. Of course, they saw it physically. They know that this person has atrophy and muscle weakness and all those things that I said. But their misevaluations did not allow them to be precise with this person. And this happens all the time. Another concept which is important is. How about regularity? Were your health efforts regular? Did you skip days taking your nutrients or practicing the correct way of eating? We have to figure out by distinguishing out what a person needs in terms of eating, what a person needs in terms of supplementation, and supplements are always needed, always, always needed. People say to me, Dr. Wall, do you use supplements? I don't know if I believe in them. And I will politely say, well, it's not a religion, we don't have to, have to believe, it's not a belief system of nutrients, it's a science, and we don't have to choose one or the other. See, that's black and white thinking. Dr. Wald, do you believe in foods are more important or supplements? That's black and white thinking and it's wrong thinking um, because they can both be right. And if you can think of that, that means you're not going to misevaluate. I have people who like, have not taken supplements or have not eaten properly and taken supplements, one or the other, because they're black and white thinking and they just lose out. So these misevaluations we have are just everywhere. Here's an example of a mistaken thinking, and it involves your mental idea that health is achieved through balance. If you believe this, then you clearly think in this particular way, and your health choices will come out of that belief system. This way of thinking is wrong. How is the mental idea that health is achieved through balance wrong? Well, there's what I call imbalanced or unbalanced balance. The universe, by the way, is not a balanced place, and neither is anything else in it, including you and your health needs. What this means practically is that you and your healthcare provider need to examine your health efforts on every level and make the appropriate adjustments. Adjustments must be made constantly in your health efforts, sometimes even on a daily basis or, or even, within a, even within the same day. So if you're still stuck on this concept that, what do you mean there's no balance? Well, what's balance? Um, if you think of a river and streams and rolling up and down the landscape, for example, um, th- where's the balance there? I mean, there's a balance in that it's maintaining itself, right? Assuming it's maintaining itself. Um, but it's doing that through many, many areas of, of imbalance. There are areas where the water's moving faster than others, where it's higher than others, deeper. You get the idea? The way the universe works is through imbalance and through many gradations of difference from one extreme to another. We'll talk much more about this in just a few minutes. But there is a way out of this trap uh, so that you can think more clearly. So if, for example, you know that there are two terms, homeostasis, you've heard of that, right? Homeostasis is supposed to mean balance, which I just said doesn't exist. And there's another word called homeoresis. If you know that these two terms exist, then that's a start at least to less or fewer I should say fewer misevaluations in your thinking because homeoresis means balanced imbalance means meaning that your body is doing its thing and that if you think in terms of somehow balancing things maybe you might want your blood work to be just within those ranges or maybe you you would be healthier if your, let's say your uric acid, which is a blood test, is higher than the average range. So that's imbalanced balance for you because higher uric acid levels, not super high by the way, that's gout, but slightly higher uric acid levels show that your body is, is revving up its antioxidant systems to reduce inflammation. So that's an example of imbalanced balance. The only balance there is just a, a word that's being used But the imbalanced description is actually more correct. It's not balanced, but it's balanced for you. See that? Why am I nitpicking, some of you might be thinking, on these terms? Because terms are everything. Terms and words define your reality. And how, of course, what the meaning you place upon words. And if you extrapolate those facts to your health, the better you use your words, the more normally you think, because some of the ways we're thinking are literally unsane. Insane is when you're just gone, mentally. But unsane is where individuals misuse terms and therefore make wrong choices for themselves. Here's another statement I hear on a daily basis that's not only wrong, but it leads to years of wasted time, money and lack of health results. Someone will say to me, Dr. Wald, I want to get at the root cause of my health problems. And I would ask them what, what they mean by that. If I assumed I knew what they meant and, I, and we were both on another page and we went along merrily in our healthcare efforts, that probably wouldn't end well. So I want to know what you mean so we have a conversation about that. So how is that determined, you know, and what is balance? It, you know, If you cling to the concept of balance, you might, like many of my patients uh, who come to me searching and searching and searching for the cause, waste years, as I've said, uh, of their lives. The correct way of thinking is that there is no cause to almost anything. Let me back up a second. When my patients say, Doctor Wald, I want to find the cause of my healthcare problem. Well, I say, well, sometimes that's pretty easy because uh, one might say if you get a hit in the head with a baseball bat, that the cause of your hemorrhagic uh, um, condition of your skull at this point uh, it was clearly caused by the the baseball bat. But then one can say, well, the baseball bat didn't move itself, so obviously someone. or or more than one person had to pick that thing up. And then why did they do that? Well, they had a bad childhood. Okay, well, what was their childhood like? And what was beyond beyond that? Oh, well, they had parents that neglected them. Okay, so that's the cause? Well, what about the parents' parents? And what about the, the parents' parents' parents? So good luck with causes and It may not be necessary. So someone would say, Dr. Wald, I have this yeast issue and I think it's caused by leaky gut syndrome. And I say, okay, that's clearly a factor, but is it a cause? And they'll look at me a little uh, perturbed and and say, I think so. I say, well, what do you think caused the leaky gut? And then they're like, "Oh, oh, I get it. I get it. And then they think it's a little bit of a trick. Like I'm playing a game and I'll say this isn't a game <laughs> what I mean here is that if we think of your body as simply this mechanism of obvious causes and effects we're going to miss many things because the reality of how the human body responds is that there could be many causes and effects mo- uh, existing all at the same time and so when someone says to me well dr well how do you how do you treat a person with that knowledge. It's interesting, it's, a f- nice, it's an interesting philosophy, it's fascinating, but how do you actually treat people based upon the concept that there are multiple causes and effects happening all at the same time, so there really isn't any cause and effect. There's just stuff happening. The best that I can respond to that is this. Simply put, when they say, how do you approach these issues? I say, we fix what we find. And then we adjust, and then we adjust and adjust over time. So when I describe various abnormalities in patients, let's say laboratory work or other types of tests, and someone says to me, they'll stop me. and they will say, well, how do you fix that? How do you fix that? And I'll say what I believe is the truth based upon my perceptions and my way of thinking about the world. I simply say, we'll focus on all of these things because it's, all of these things are not separate things. They are you. So... We start a certain plan of action of natural health, and then we check these tests, for example, again, and we see how you've responded in these various areas. And then they'll say, well, how do, you, how do we fix this? We fix what we find. So we readjust everything, everything, not one thing. Sometimes you can do that. I'm not saying there's never a time where one thing, if you tweak it, everything else falls into place. But that doesn't mean that that one thing was the cause of all the other things. And the reason why this is important on a practical level is that we don't want to walk around thinking that we think holistically, and basically we don't. Many holistic individuals and their thinking and many, many holistic practitioners that I have uh, spoken with over the years, including myself at times, um, have thought that they were open-minded, and natural health is the way to go, and they're very negative against medicine, the the medical profession. And they have reasons. Um, I'm not invalidating certain reasons for having negative opinions about the medical profession. However, if your opinions about the medical profession rules out any any possibility of you ever seeking medical attention for, for certain things, then some could say that that generalization is very harmful and very wrong. Because sometimes a person might have a tumor and it could easily be removed surgically, easy. I have had people, and this is true, folks, I still have nightmares about this. I have individuals that come into me, I remember one of them a few years back, who came in, a woman, and she said to me, I have had a cervical tumor and it was, uh, was recommended that I have um, it surgically removed and the, the uh, surgeons felt that this would ameliorate the cancer. Everything is isolated. That would be that. But I listened to this holistic, famous nutritionist and they said to me, uh, you do not do that. I want you to do juicing. And here's how you juice and, and all of that. They came in, first of all, my secretary knocks on my door and says, we have your new patient, they're outside in the car. And I said, okay, and I go out to the car and they're in the back seat, lying over the back seat, and they, it smelled like death in there and, and she looked dead, but she was clinging to life. She came in, she explained to me this story about the surgery versus the juicing and then her cancer spread everywhere. And she was so confused, so confused. She said, how could this happen? I was told by this famous, brilliant nutritionist to do it this way. And then when I explained to the nutritionist what had happened now, it, it spread throughout my body, they, they told me I, I should get chemo, which was completely inconsistent with her way of thinking. So she was obviously confused and in so much pain that because she believed so much, her thinking allowed her to believe so much in this practitioner's suggestions She wasn't even taking pain medication, and she was writhing in severe pain. You could see it. And sadly, I I was able to convince her to go to the hospital. She got pain meds, she got some relief, she said goodbye to her family, and she died two days later. My point is that improper thinking closes down possibilities that can make the difference in one's health. The reason I went to chiropractic school it wasn't just because my dad was an amazing doctor of chiropractic and nutritionist, and I loved spending time at his office, and I loved his patients saying to me, Your dad is the greatest, he helped me where no one else could. I love that. But I knew that chiropractic, in my perspective, did not have all the answers. That's because that was my perspective, that was my way of thinking. If my way of thinking was chiropractic had all the answers, then th- that's that. My education would have stopped right there in the sense of in the chiropractic and nutrition realms. But then I decided to get more nutrition knowledge. I got my master's degree. I got my PhD in holistic philosophy. I went to medical school. I became a dietitian, a certified clinical nutritionist, a certified nutrition specialist, a certified sports nutritionist, a personal trainer. People say to me, how do you do all those things? How how do you do that? Well, there's really, all I can say is that when you love something and when it resonates with you, it's not even work. It's not even work. So... How could I not do it? (laughs) It was was really my thinking. So that's generally what happens when there are people that have achieved things that you want to achieve or achieved things that are just amazing. Whether you want to achieve them or not, you recognize that. And you can't even wrap your head around that's how possible, like how it became possible until you recognize that clearly these people who've achieved these things don't think like you. They think differently. So if you don't have the level of health that you want, given what you think or the right things that you did, which are open to interpretation, then it's time to change your thinking. If you change your thinking, you will change your perspectives, which will change your choices. Even the very concept of the word disease is a semantic blunder. So, for example, what is disease? Because your concept is your thinking process, how you conceive things, and that will filter health possibilities, it's really important to have some real concept of of what is disease. So answer me this, true or false question, folks. Is disease natural? I have people who have asked this question too and they have said, disease, no, it's not natural. I don't believe it's natural. And others will say, yep, it's absolutely natural. My point here is that whatever your perspective is, it's gonna determine how you navigate your healthcare choices. So is disease natural? Well, I would say, of course it is. It's, it, what this means is that we know that disease happens. Could one argue that if the world was clean and we weren't exposed to excessive pollution and toxins and electromagnetic radiation and et cetera, et cetera, and stress, the list goes on and on, that disease wouldn't happen? I don't know, uh, possibly, but we need to focus in the reality of the situation, which is disease does happen, but medicine, thinks that there's disease that happens, and prior to that, there's health. It's like an obese person saying to me, "You know, other than my weight, I'm healthy. No. That may be their perspective, but that is a narrow-minded and wrong perspective because when we've looked at people's health parameters, such as their liver health, let's say, or their blood sugar, or their blood pressure, or their lipids, or things of that nature, and the lifespans of people who are obese, they live far shorter lives, and they have much more disability and comorbid health problems. They have multiple health problems generally. And they may or may not have those health problems at the moment you're speaking with them, but they will eventually happen statistically speaking. So if you have a concept in your brain beyond the the traditional medical education, which I received, which said, you're healthy until you're sick. But in holistic medicine, we're a little smarter, we have a different perspective. We say there is health on one end, say on the right side, your right hand, and there's disease on the, in the left hand, and then in between there's, there's uh, the gradations of health, which we like to call dis-ease. So dis-ease is a better word than disease. Why? Dis-ease is more consistent with how the universe works and how your body works within that universe. Which means that there are gradations, an infinitesimal number of gradations of health and disease along that spectrum. Even saying the word spectrum allows for the possibility of tiny losses of health or major ones, and before the quote unquote disease happens in medicine. So, what this, the problem that this uh, causes uh, in medicine through medical physicians that believe this way and therefore is reflected upon their unwitting patients is that they will not acknowledge certain abnormalities and, and, and just clearly abnormal processes in a patient unless they fit some textbook definition of disease. If they're somewhere between health and disease and they don't quite fit in, the doctors say, well, uh, I think you have anxiety. So we're gonna give you an anti-anxiety med or you might have depression how many of you have heard this before? It's ridiculous. So it is the way it goes. It's only ridiculous from um, a perspective of humor, but it is obviously uh, highly damaging to a person's uh, health efforts if they visit with a practitioner that believes there's just health and on one end disease on the other hand, rather than the dis-ease. But as I was beginning to say earlier, many natural healthcare providers believe that their way of thinking is all that there is as well. And they profess to be open-minded about health and healing, which at least was my perspective of what holistic health was. You know, before I went to medical school and worked in hospitals for my medical rotations, I worked in several hospitals, I thought, and this was after I was a chiropractic nutritionist for, you know, uh, over 10 years. So I had some experience. And I had a certain concept of you know, medicine, quite honestly, being pretty evil, you know, uh, really not out for the patient, all about medications, um, it, it, not connecting with the patients. Everyone knows what I'm speaking about because we all, or many of us, share the same perspective, which by the way is a limiting perspective and is not true all the time. Clearly it's not. So if it's not true all the time and, we, and you're a person who believes that, if that's your mental positioning, then you might continue to get possibilities in medicine. When I went to medical school and worked in those hospitals, I saw some doctors working extremely hard and diligently for their patients. And uh, like the doctors I I was working with, I was very lucky to see this. And some of these these guys and gals that I worked with, my supervisors, as we were going throughout the hospital, they. We would correct the laziness of a lot of other doctors, which were most doctors that I saw. So what I'm trying to point out here is that not all medical doctors are the same. They don't all share the same philosophy. Not all natural health care providers are the same. They may say they're holistic, but they don't share a holistic philosophy. For example, yin and yang. Yin and yang is black and white thinking. So black and white thinking, as I said earlier, is almost always wrong and limited. So there, really, there is no yin and yang. Those are just words. And depending upon your definition of those words, you have certain concepts of what that means. So, yes, we can say that everything, like two sides of a coin, has yin and yang in it. Okay, is there really yin and yang in it? If you take apart the coin, if you take apart the body, are you going to find yin and yang? Of course not. Folks, words are terms. They are tools that if you interpret them in different ways, will provide you different meanings, obviously. If you believe that you're yin and yang, and if you're a man, you're mostly yang, and if you're a woman, you're mostly yin, possibly, or certain diseases are more yang than yin, this this is going to give you a certain orientation of what is possible through health that might close off possibilities, let's say, of of nutrition let's say or if you believe in the traditional medical approach to a patient um, which would be like the negative representation that I had talked about just earlier where doctors are closed down to their patients they're basically looking at the prescription pads before their patients even walk in the room um, they barely take a note uh, they want to just get one patient out in the other each of these belief systems will control what is What are the possibilities of healthcare before you? I'm drilling this home, I hope, because I want you to start to examine misrepresentations that you may have that have caused you to be satisfied with your level of ill health right now. Or for those of you, let's say like like myself, who feel amazing and can do things that I could do, do when I was 20 years old, running and jumping and lifting and all these different things, that wouldn't have happened if I had a traditional way of thinking, so my patients will sometimes learn about uh, the fact that I I run marathons, let's say. And they say, wow, you know, I, I just could never do that. It's just so much time and all these different things. You see what I'm getting at? People have certain perspectives that absolutely, in their minds, build up physical cement walls that prevent them from even considering they can do a thing. Before I ran my first marathon, I never even thought about running a marathon. I thought, those people are crazy, there's just no way. But one night, or one early morning, it was around three something in the morning, I remember, I happened to be um, watching television, and it was about, they were talking about a triathlon that went to, um, I think it was in Australia, and the gentleman that they were talking to had been an alcoholic for years and years, and then he discovered triathlon training, and he did all these races. And I thought, my, my life has been blessed compared to this guy, health-wise at least, right? And that's just, I was so blown away at it, I knew at that moment I needed to do what he was doing. That's because that was my mindset, that's my filter. If my filter was, this guy's nuts, and I, I would never do that, I wouldn't have done it. And then marathons, went to triathlons, and the point is that, Your health, certainly my health, and the way in which you live are determined by your ever-changing or constant representations internally in your brains of the possibilities of life. So what are some of the things that you can do to get your thinking straight, so to speak, right? Before I mention that, I want to introduce myself again. For those of you just joining us and uh, for the regular listeners, thank you so much. My name is Dr. Michael Wald. You're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. We're talking about how to improve the way you think so that your health choices work for you, so that you can open up possibilities in your health and in your life so that you can live a life that is full of joy, or whatever else it is you wanna get out of life. You can reach me for questions or concerns or or show topic uh, submissions uh, at 914-552-1442. And you can go to my website, which is Dr michaelwall.com or you can go to the blog section you'll see lots more shows or right from the main page just search in the search bar for any topic lots of free content there so let's talk about what we might be able to do to again get our thinking straight as i just mentioned well you might want to remind yourself every day through practices like meditation and affirmations so that you reduce your mental misrepresentations. Now, if you do meditation, which might look like, you know, sitting quietly in a room and um, paying attention to your breathing, um, that might work for you. That might help clear your mind, so to speak, so that you open up other possibilities. Maybe it reduces your stress so that you don't have stress blinding you from what's before you. But oftentimes I see people, and this is not uh, this is not an attack on meditation. Um, uh, personally, I, pref- I prefer walking meditation, the Thich Han sort of approach walking meditation, where you're appreciating your life in every moment, uh, as opposed to, some might say, creating an artificial situation of sitting cross-legged in, in, in a, a dimly lit room, uh, trying to be present. Because when you try to be present, you're never present. You're always present, You'll be present, yes, but you'll be present to trying to be present. Um, And the same thing goes with yoga, for example. I have many individuals who've done lifelong meditation and yoga, and in their life, when they are out of the yoga studio or they are uh, out of the meditation class or what have you, they still don't strike me as um, extraordinary beings. Um, They're actually quite ordinary. Some individuals... So what I'm saying is that you must have an intention when you do that yoga. You must have an intention when you meditate and you wanna meditate on that. And you don't wanna leave it in the classroom. You don't wanna leave it in the, at the yoga studio or in the meditation room. You need to live that in your life so it's reinforced so you literally become it. Remember what I mentioned earlier in the show? Every thought, feeling, and emotion that you have, every physical movement you make, changes the structure of your brain. So if you want to stress out your whole life, well, I can guarantee you, stress will uh, beseech more stress because when you're under stress, it will create structural changes in your brain consistent with stress so that everything you see in life becomes stressful even though it doesn't have to be that way if you thought differently. Look, we all know those personalities, right? I have a friend, nothing bothers the guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love him to death. He used to get me crazy. Why doesn't this guy get upset? Nothing gets him upset. And um, now I, I get it. He happened to work on himself in such a way where he's appreciating life. So no matter what's before him, it's on top of that, that plate of, you know, life is wonderful and I'm blessed. So things that you and I might consider to be so stressful or negative or so, such a downer, It doesn't exist for him. And because it doesn't exist for him, it actually doesn't exist. So his health is extraordinary and his presence is extraordinary. So these are the sort of things that can happen when we get our heads screwed on right. I guess that sounds like a good book, right? How to to screw your head on right. That's a good one. I have to write that one down. (laughs) But you know, what if I said to you, well, people have limitations. They just do. Well, yes, th- that is true that some people have limitations, but virtually all limitations are created. So when a patient says to me, Dr. Wald, I, you know, I can't do this because I just don't have the money. I just don't have the money. And meanwhile, they'll get Botox or they'll buy Starbucks coffee every day or what have you. My point here is that there is never a reason strong enough that cannot uh, motivate a person who is committed to mentally getting their heads screwed on straight, to making the right healthcare choices. If a person really believes they don't have the money and I say to them, well, how serious are you to manage these health issues? Well, I'm very serious about it. I just don't have the money. Like, okay, why don't you speak with your husband or your wife, whoever the patient is, and then try to come up with a budget that works. There must be something you can come up with that you can now then prioritize your health. Because that, that's a reality of health care. It does have a cost to it. But we hope that the payoff, meaning the health benefit, is far more than the cost. Or someone will say, Dr. William, you know, I've spent so much money over the years, I just, you know, I just don't want to do it anymore. And uh, you know, what you do seems very similar to some of what others do. And I say, well, what do you mean by that? They say, well, you know, um, I went to practitioners and they, they recommended supplements. And, you know, you do that too. And I'll say, of course I do. But do you think that I do it the same as the other practitioner? Well, I, I don't really know. I, su- I suppose not. I, I, you might recommend different things, but I've done that. This is an example of a person being closed-minded because of prior experiences. This is called letting your past run you rather than you running your past. The fact that she even had a conversation with me up to that point was more for her to justify that there's nothing more that she can do. When I certainly didn't know if that was all that she could do, and I certainly knew, or I believe, that the level of healthcare I would provide her, which would include knowledge of what she had done, would be better and more suited to her. But if her belief system is, it's like everything else she's done, then really I can't win. What are the chances, no matter what I say on top of that, Thinking her filter will filter me right out, which just happens, and of course, men and women come with the same concerns, not just women, obviously. So, you know, I've had individuals who have had the following mindset, which is a limited mindset, and it's that, um, you know, I want to bring my husband to you because you know he has hypertension or high cholesterol or he's overweight. Uh, or he doesn't feel well, he can't sleep, he's just, you know, everything sucks. <laughs> okay, And um, they'll say, well, you know, I'm going to bring him in and do you think you can help him? And I'll say, what are his thoughts about natural health? Are you aware of what his opinions might be? Oh yes, Dr. Wald, they'll say. He, he doesn't believe in any of this. Um, what does he do for a living? And let's say he's someone who, even in, you know, as a biochemist or a biology teacher or who works in a supermarket, the point I'm trying to make is that individuals shut possibilities down because for some usually uneducated uh, position, based on nothing, believe that they just can't get helped and that if their regular doctor didn't recommend you know, healthy eating and exercise and nutritional supplements, that it's a waste of time. So that individual, those types of individuals, are those types of individuals because they have a certain type of thinking. So it's very easy for me to identify patterns of thinking in my patients and even in myself that allow me to have honest, straightforward conversations so that we can dismantle the negative conversations because most people tend to come around, once you acknowledge their thinking, in this case, and I did speak with this gentleman eventually. So I said, "Your wife mentions to me that you're not really into this natural stuff, um, and I'm curious why you feel that way." And he, you know, described to me how uh, what I had imagined. That you know, he mentioned it to his regular physician, and his physician said it's a waste of time. It's unscientific. It's quackery. And I said. Um, I said, okay, so did you try to determine whether or not what your physician said was actually true? And he looked at me oddly and he uh, said, well, well, no, I trust I trust my physician. I'll say blind trust is always dangerous. And he started to, his eyes started to open up a little bit. And I said, what is it that you, you know, do for a living And um, I forget what he he did for a living, but I sent him materials that had some relationship to what he knew and then connected it to the health that he could understand. And once he understood that, he was like, I can't believe there's all this evidence. And my doctors, who are smart people, who I like, they, they just said it was ridiculous. And he said, how is that? How is that even possible? I said, well... Did you uh, attempt to show these articles to your doctor? Yes, I did. I said, well, what was, what was their response? Well, they barely looked at them and said it was ridiculous. I said, well, there you go. That's obviously bias based on lack of education. Your doctor who I have no doubt is a smart man in terms of uh, his basic education, but in terms of his ability to see what's in front of him and discount it because it didn't fit into his pattern of thinking as quackery. That's all it is. Folks, when I first started practicing, I was so desperate to convert physicians on my patients' behalf so we could have a, you know, a, a conversation among all the different practitioners to help a person. I would type out, in those days, type out single page, multiple pages of medical references and explanations and send them to the doctors. And I thought, wow, once they get this, their lives are gonna change, not, <laughs> Nothing I, I, would, hard, I think once Out of a hundred times I might have gotten a response That's not because these physicians are stupid In the traditional sense They have high education They just don't have a lot of what some might call common sense But I would call They have many misrepresentations From a limited education The medical education teaches us For example That the body is, is compartmentalized There's a circulatory system, there's an endocrine system, there's a gastro uh, GI system, um, you know, there's a hormonal system, etc. If you learn about the body in this way, in this choppy compartmentalized way, you cannot see the whole person because you have learned through several years of medical education that the person is chopped up into tiny pieces. And if you approach a person from a wrong perspective, you will give wrong advice or at least not the optimum advice. If you recognize that the individual is truly a holistic proposition, meaning that the body, all these systems are connected, then you would treat them differently. You would see patterns differently. You you simply see things differently. But in that explanation I just gave you, and I mentioned that the body is connected, that's a semantic error as well. Because the body is not connected. Connected, the definition implies that you're putting things together that were separate or could be separate. Uh, And that is not the facts. The facts are that any separation of body parts is artificial. If we acknowledge through a different perspective that it's all together, we see people differently. And if the practitioner has lots of uh, perspectives and education that he can or she can bring to the table along with the proper perspective of how the human organism is designed within the context of the world, within the context of the universe, then a whole new level of health opportunities arise. So let me make some summarizations that I hope will be helpful. What I like to do with my patients when we begin a health uh, journey, a natural health journey, is to identify and address semantic errors, as I've mentioned many times, or misevaluations in thinking, and therefore the actions that come out of those misevaluations, or errors in semantic thinking. And one of the reasons this is important is because part of the reason is that much, very often, I would say that medical professionals are trained traditionally um, uh, to evaluate their patients by definitions of disease instead of dealing with an individual sick person whose illness seldom fits textbooks definitions. And if they think of people in these rigid definitions, then they have specific approaches for that. But if you vary from these strict definitions, then medicine is very confused, as I've mentioned a few times throughout the show. Oftentimes when I sit with patients, I'll point back to my bookshelf behind me and say, listen, you're not in any of these books. We need to literally rewrite the book on you. If we do that, then we'll probably get somewhere. If we choose to accept the traditional medical approach to you, then we're done. But as soon as we alter our perspectives, all sorts of things happen. When I meet with a patient, even if I've seen that patient who has this health problem a thousand times in the past, whether it's lupus or various cancers or cardiovascular disease or mental emotional concerns like anxiety or psoriasis or eczema, Uh, or atopic dermatitis, you name it, whatever the health problem is, I go through the research, I ponder that patient in a lot of detail, even in the areas that I think I know. And I will tell you, because my intention is always to learn more, but my intention is always to learn more for this specific person in the context of their existence, then all these possibilities pop up. So my day is filled with constant learning, constant learning and application application of that information to individual people so that if someone says Dr. Wald I tried all these things before and they didn't work sometimes subtle readjustments make all the difference once we recognize what the individual actually needs which can only come through both the patient and their practitioners altering their perspectives and getting on the same page okay <laughs> this was a lot to talk about in an hour. But I appreciate you all listening. My name is Dr. Wald. You've been listening to The Blood Detective. Feel free to reach out to me at 914-552-1442. Visit my website, please, at drmichaelwald.com. And certainly send me your questions and comments at my email at info at Take care, everyone.